0: Oh, I better okay. record. I better record or else we're not going to get any of this.
1: Welcome to another D3 DataCast. It's a new year, but it's the same show. Happy New Year, Matt. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there by a thread. But Happy New Year to everyone out there in D3 Hoops land. Glad to share this with you.
1: I Matt, I don't know about you, but I always think about the new year as turning the page from non-conference season to conference play now I know you know we, we see some conference games earlier on there, there are a few non-conference games yet to be played but I always think of that being the unofficial uh, yeah. turning of the page from non-conference season to, to the conference season so this week we're going to talk about five races that we see shaping up that look to be the tightest in all of division three basketball but Matt before we get to that uh, let's go back to the week that was was there someone that stood out last week that you would say really won the week
0: yeah, uh, for, me, for me, it's going to be Case Western Reserve. Uh, they were a team I think we wanted to see some top matchups. They were had a lot of hype coming into the season. They had a lot of wins, but not a lot of great opponents coming into this week. We saw them out in Las Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic. They get double-digit wins over Oswego State and Clark, two kind of top 25 competitive teams. Of, for sure, Oswego State has been ranked high all season. Clark has been, I think, in that voting mix as well lately. Um, but coming into this, this is what we wanted to see, right? Because like Case had overtime wins over Denison. They had like a single-digit win over Hiram. They got the wins, but it's kind of like this isn't what we wanted to see from a top 10 or top 5 team. Uh, but Case looks like they're back in that mix with these big wins in in Las Vegas. It's the, a great event. Games like this are exactly what we want to see, what teams sign up to go to the D3Hoops.com Classic for. Case comes out with those two massive wins that's going to help them come February and March for seeding for getting into the tournament potentially. Uh, so for me, case Western reserve won the week. What about you, Zach? Who won your
1: week? Yeah. Case Western reserve was definitely one that I had. And actually I had a, a two pack of big winners, Matt, coming out of the D three hoops.com classic. Case was one of them. You did a great job talking about, about their um, week out in Vegas and I'm going to add Trinity Texas to the mix. Uh, similar to case, they came out with a two and O trip to Vegas. Uh, beating Clark and Pomona Pitzer. So a pair of good wins. In that last episode, we talked about uh, Texas, in particular, the ASC not being quite what we expected coming into the season. But uh, Trinity um, looks to be the class of Texas as it pertains to D3 hoops. I think probably that was already our opinion um, a week ago. And with wins over Clark and Pomona Pitzer down in Vegas, I think they solidified their standing as the class of Texas.
0: Yeah, man, probably or possibly, maybe probably the class of Region 10 at this point. The Tigers look good. We know we're always looking for kind of like a Texas pod or maybe maybe a Southern California pod in Region 10 to get some of those geographic outliers come NCAA tournament time. I think the inside track there is Trinity. Definitely the the Texas option. Um, they look really good there. Maybe the Skyak champ could compete for that spot as well. So we'll have to see. Um, you know, maybe, what does Cal Lutheran do if they put together some some really good uh, some really good games? We saw them beat Tufts this week. So Cal Lutheran could be in that mix as well. But for me, for me, Trinity is out in the lead, maybe hosting a pod come come March.
1: All right, Matt, any other games just that uh, we should talk about from this past week of note?
0: Yeah, we, we talked about a couple of them already, mentioned a couple of them already. Uh, one that, that I attended that I think we, we have to discuss here was Friday uh, down at Shrine UW-Platteville up against Calvin, and Platteville got a 22-point win. Um, Calvin came into this game ranked number two. Platteville was ranked number 24. And this was just a tremendous game from the Pioneers. Uh, UW-Platteville was super efficient on offense. It, it felt like if they had an inch, they were going to make this shot. Sometimes they made some shots. They didn't even have an inch. Um, Logan Pearson was tremendous for them. He was super efficient. I think 25 points on 14 field goal attempts, including five for five from three. He was just hitting every shot, um, again, with an inch or without an inch. He was like falling away with Echena Egekeza all over him and just hitting shots. Uh, tremendous effort from Platteville. They were really good. For Calvin, it was just not their night. Um, under 20% from three. Uh, Some of those good looks, some of those are looks that would go down. You wouldn't, wasn't, wasn't a lot of forced looks until maybe late. Um, Even then they weren't really forcing too many. It just, they weren't going in. Uh, And then even, not even just from distance, but cutting into the lane, a lot of just the rolls and the finishes weren't going down for Calvin. Looks like a team coming off of a week break. Um, You know, Jalen Overway still got his 20 points. He was efficient in the paint, but everyone else was really not for Calvin. Um, I almost gave UW Platteville who won the week just for this game alone. They, They looked really, really good. Uh, I, I think they were, you know, in like I said, number twenty-four coming into this. They look like a top fifteen, top ten-ish team for me. Uh, we talked about Trinity maybe being a host. I think we need a Region Nine host, and for me, that's UW Platteville. They're the inside track for that. They look really good. I think they're my WIAC favorite right now, even above Whitewater, who's been more highly ranked throughout the season. It was a Final Four team last last year. Uh, really high on UW Platteville after that game. I think their one blemish on the season is a loss to Keene State, if I have this correct, back in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Uh, but Keene State's a great team too, so that's that. That doesn't look bad. You, you, they had kind of maybe a double-digit loss to Keene State, and then now a big win over Calvin, and I think that puts UW Platteville right in the whole national mix. They're a really good team. Uh, they get it done on both ends of the floor. This was an impressive win for them. So, so congrats to UW Platteville
1: on the big win. When you shoot as poorly as Calvin did, you have to hope that maybe your opponent is having as rough a night from the yeah. field. Um, but as you mentioned, Platteville was probably above average yeah. in uh, their shot making. Yeah. And so that's just really, I don't think this, you look at that score, and it's kind of shocking. But look at the, the shooting numbers on the night. You have one team that did pretty well, one team that really couldn't buy a, a bucket on a jump shot or, you know, a non-overweight finish. And um, it's that's what happens, right? I mean, we, we talk about how many good teams there are. Certainly both of these teams are good. You have one team making shots and another team not making shots. And this is what happens, you know. Matt, especially that second half, I thought was very similar to Calvin's first half against Marietta, just with roles reversed, right? You had a team that just couldn't make shots, couldn't get, uh, get anything going. Um, and, uh, hey. and, you know, in in, in that first half um, at the GLI, you know, Calvin was able to stretch out to a lead against Marietta here. This is what happened with Platteville. They were able to just kind of stretch that lead out in the second half, and Calvin just couldn't make enough shots to to keep yeah. up. Um, so, hey, you know, take your lumps, move on. Uh, but, um, I think the most disappointing thing for me is that this game felt a lot like the game that ended their season last year in the, uh, MIAA tournament against hope where they just like, it just wasn't going down. Right. So to have that happen again, this year is a little bit disappointing just to know that, that, you know, remains a possibility to have a game like that. But, uh, uh, you know, it happens is a loss to a good team. I didn't think. Uh, I don't expect anyone this season to go undefeated. And so this is certainly a game that uh, you, you can't, um, you know, it's not going to go down as a bad loss. Not certainly the the margin you'd like to see, but, you know, again, when you look at the shooting totals, it's what happens. All right, Matt, I think you have another week before you have to start talking about a top 25 ballot, anything that you're formulating in your mind or you have, bouncing around in there that you you know you're going to have to get straightened out maybe a week from now when you're looking at having to submit a ballot?
0: No, just really going through and uh, sifting through all of these holiday tournament type results and putting things together. I think there was a lot of uh, shifting in the ballot. I think we're going to have to make it, uh, you know, a few new teams into the top five, maybe a few teams out of the top five. Uh, so I'm going to have a lot of shifting to do on my ballot. Um And and full disclosure on this episode, we still have not quite had all of the weekly results in. We're recording a little early with the new year, so still a few results to watch. Keep in mind some games we haven't maybe talked about on this episode. That you're saying, why haven't we talked about? Maybe they're still in our future, even if they're in your past. Uh, But yeah, a lot of a lot of sifting to do. I think there's going to be a lot of changeover um, in the top twenty-five, especially because we kind of took some some break in the voting for the the holidays and for you know there are some games off around Christmas, but then there's a lot of pre and post Christmas tournaments. So a lot of good matchups, a lot of good games, a lot of sitting to do. So this is a long way of saying, no, I don't have really insight of how I'm voting. At.
1: Well, I want to ask you this, too, with a, we've had since we've had an extended break between polls and also another round of like really big events, teams traveling, playing some really interesting games. Do You almost treat it as, um, you know, not a not a preseason poll because we have actual results, but almost a, like starting from scratch as opposed to another one where maybe you can kind of use your previous poll as a starting point or your previous ballot as a starting point and and do some shifting. Do you almost start fresh?
0: Yeah, this will be basically a completely from scratch, you know, from week to week. I, I try not to, to, just go week to week and then move teams. But when it's only right. one week and there's only a couple of maybe big results, you kind of do that a little bit because you, you end opinions, up with a similar result. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. But this week, yeah, you're going to have to start over. Um, I, I can, I'm probably going to say, I'm going to go Hampton Sydney at number one. Don't know what I'm going to do immediately after that, after that, but you know, a team like Case Question Reserve will be in the mix. Um, I'm sure there's several others. I, I, I haven't really gone through that process yet right now, but it's going to be like, Blank slate, wipe everything clean, start at number one. Like I said, I think that's Hampton-Sydney for me right now, and then kind of go from there.
1: Well, I know you didn't have John Carroll voted number one in the in your previous ballot, but in the previous poll they were number one, then they took a loss yeah. to Hampton-Sydney. And then you look at some of the teams that were maybe other options knowing early on and after that poll was released that John Carroll was the number one and had lost, right? Like Tufts took a loss, Calvin took a yeah. loss, Oswego State took a loss. So there's a lot, a lot to be sifted through. And, you know, as, as it all turns out, maybe some of those teams that took a loss don't actually get knocked that much just because of all the the, the right. shakeup that we've seen. But it gives an opportunity, like we said, now that we've seen some higher level matchups from a Case Western Reserve who are still uh, undefeated, right. that's an opportunity for them to maybe uh, easily move into that top two, three, whatever it is, uh, area.
0: Yeah, at this point in the season, one loss does not take you out of the mix. Like, Hampton-Sydney has a loss, and I said I'm probably, like, right. no doubt about it, putting them number one. So teams with one loss, for me, can still be in that top five, top ten mix. There will be some undefeateds in there as well. But just because you're 11-0 and or 12 if that loss is to another ranked team or, or another highly ranked team, right, that might be kind of okay at this point.
1: All right, Matt. Let's move into our main topic for the show. Here, we talked about the calendar changing over from twenty twenty three to twenty twenty four, and how, at least for me, that signals the you know the start of conference play. And um, we we wanted to take a look at some of the the tightest races, maybe some of the more interesting races to watch during conference play. Uh, in some cases, you know, there's some some records already on the board because certain conferences already get into conference play earlier in the season, just based on the number of teams and the number of conference games they play. Uh, So, Matt, let's start off here. We're doing our top five. We'll start off at number five with the Mac Freedom Conference.
0: Yeah. um, So what we're doing here, we're running all of the. Projected results with the efficiency rating so so fractional wins um, for each team going forward and we're going to kind of add those up and we're going to see which five conferences have the smallest separation in projected end of regular season win totals. Um, for, their, for their conference leaders. the top We're defining it as top two, but in some of these conferences they have like a top three or four or maybe even five teams that look very much in the mix. So um, right here we can see on our screen the Mac Freedom standings. Um, this is kind of tied in with our efficiency ratings. So that's the national rank and the adjusted efficiency margin kind of bookending this. Um, the Mac Freedom has not played any conference games. That's going to be that classical January conference season kind of uh, schedule. Uh, but you can see the projected win totals here. So the top two teams that are making this a very close race are Stevens and DeSales. Um, 12.2 projected wins for Stevens and 12.0 for DeSales. Obviously, Stevens cannot win 0.2 extra games uh, than DeSales. So that's that kind of uh, added up fractional win totals from from projected results. So that's wins but that you could see them at at 13 very easily um, most likely result for DeSales being 12 wins as well. So these two teams have obviously not played yet. Everyone's zero and zero. They have games coming up in a, a January 17 and then February 7 are the two two games. So probably looking like a two-team race here in the Mac Freedom between Stevens and DeSales. And these are two teams that the computers like quite a bit overall. You can see ranked 26th and 29th respectively. So teams that are kind of in that top 25-ish mix or discussion, teams that could be ranked. So the, the race here at the top, uh, looks very strong for the Mac Freedom. You can see there's a drop-off in rating there to Misericordia, kind of more of a like a top 100 mix and then kind of average to below average teams uh, right after that.
1: Yep, and like, as you mentioned, they haven't started play. So zeros in zero uh, records across the board here. But taking a look at projected wins as we get into some of the other conferences that will allow us to account for what's already taken place and then as well... Uh, Looking ahead based on expectations, uh, based on the computer ratings, Uh, not surprising to see uh, just a a fractional win difference between Stevens and DeSales, considering how close the the computer sees them in terms of just their overall uh, profile as teams um, ranked right next to each other in the computer rankings. So expect a very tight race. Matt, you mentioned those two games if they, you know, between DeSales and Stevens, they split. And then that, you know, that, that's kind of what would the expectation would be, right, is that they would split. Uh, but then if either team is able to get a sweep, suddenly they become probably the overwhelming favorite for the regular right. season title here.
0: Yeah, sweep would be huge. The computer's kind of expecting, yeah, let's say a split, and then these teams to maybe just drop one other game because conference play is tough.
1: One other stumble, right. Yeah, yep. and,
0: and and if you can avoid the stumble or if you can sweep, then that, that team has the lead. Um, just looking ahead to NCAA tournament, I think – Stevens and DeSales are probably both in that pool C mix. Um, maybe not like pool C locks, I don't think, but maybe if they take care of business against everyone else in their conference and maybe earn a split, you could probably be looking at at both these teams getting in in March. So um, maybe not pool A or bust, but you'd also don't want to have too many stumbles in conference or else that becomes maybe a one bid league.
1: Yep, especially if we see another uh, another situation like we saw last year where it was like bubble burst after bubble yeah, burst, right? right. The, yeah, you don't want to put yourself in doubt. Exactly, yes. All right, Matt, number four on our list, probably no surprise. No, a conference we've talked about a bunch, and that's the ODAC.
0: Yeah, we we, we talked time and again about this maybe being the deepest league, maybe the, even the strongest league at the top. Um, a lot of teams in this conference, but a lot of quality, especially up at the top um, of, of the ranking. So and interesting to see, the computers still really love Randolph-Macon, right? I said I was probably going to vote Hampton-Sydney number one. The computer still sees Randolph-Macon surprisingly as number one at this point, even though they've taken losses on the season, they've played a really tough schedule and they've gotten a lot of wins against that schedule, even though they've suffered some losses. Um, So you can see right away, um, Randolph-Macon, Hampton-Sydney, Guilford, and Virginia Wesleyan all having one loss in conference play. Um, It's actually still Hampton-Sydney that's projected to finish just ahead, a 13.2 wins versus Randolph-Macon's 13.0, even though, uh, you know, it's very tight there the computer ranking, one and three Um, But Hampton-Sydney does currently have one head-to-head win against Randolph-Macon already in the books. Um, The Odak does not play a full double round robin schedule. They kind of play like one and a third times through the league, I think, every year or or, or thereabouts. Um, But Randolph-Macon and Hampton-Sydney do play twice this season in conference play. Um, Randolph-Macon having already... Lost one of those games, Hampton Sydney winning, so that that's a little bit of an advantage for Hampton Sydney having that one head-to-head win, um, in the books here. Uh, but also, you know, not really out of the mix is Guilford and Virginia Wesleyan. They're you know they're projected for you know maybe a full win less. But again, you get a head-to-head win, you get a big couple of results, and um, you know those those teams could be right in the mix mix as well.
1: Yep, Guilford already has the head-to-head win over Hampton Sydney, um, and then Randolph Macon and. Guilford only play once in the regular season. So the winner of that game gets a big advantage. Um, and Matt Gilf- uh, Randolph-Macon's other single game is against Virginia Wesleyan. They have played twice. They had a very early season meeting, which was a non-conference game. right? And, and Virginia Wesleyan won that one. But Randolph-Macon won the second game, which is probably the one you want to win because that was the conference yeah. game. So Randolph-Macon and Virginia Wesleyan meeting just once officially in conference play and Randolph-Macon already picking up win. So you, I, I think you can kind of see some of those early season results already shaping the projection from here based on, you know, who's only playing once and who may already have a win, a head to head win in that top grouping.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's going to be some games between those two teams still to play and that's going to shape things as well. Um, but again, this league is deep enough <clears throat> that these, you know, those top four, they're going to take losses. You know, we've already seen Shenandoah beat a Guilford, right? So we've, um, right. there's going to be some, some additional losses, you see how deep this conference goes into the top 100. And then even outside of the top 100 is Farum, who's just outside the top 100. So a very deep league. Some of these teams in the middle and toward the bottom are going to come up and bite some of these top four or five teams. Um, when it comes to tournament NCAA tournament time, I, I think we're seeing Randolph-Macon, Hampton City, Guilford, and Virginia Wesleyan almost as locks at this point, right? They can't go into conference play and just stumble a bunch of games. But if they take care of business and, and come, you know, really close to these projection projected win totals in conference play and, and have decent showings in the conference tournament, they're probably getting in. And then you're also talking about a team like Shenandoah maybe also making it in as well. So you, you could be seeing up to five ODAC teams, I think. Um, and then if someone like Washington and Lee or Rono goes on a crazy ODAC tournament run and somehow wins that, you know, that's going to be a gauntlet. But if they could somehow win that, then, you know, is there a path to six ODACs? You know, maybe maybe you're knocking Shenandoah out at that point or something like that. But they are going to be a lot of bids from this league. Um, Seeding in the ODAC tournament is obviously going to be huge. So th- this conference race is still big to, to win the league. Again, that's always a big thing, winning your league, getting that that league trophy, cutting down the nets, getting seating for your conference tournament. And um, you're going to play like three or four regionally ranked games in the ODAC tournament. So boosting your resume the winner of that tournament if it's one of these top teams like is probably going to be like a number one or number two seed in a region so lots of national focus in the odak race it's going to be a great race going to be big weeks uh, big games week in and week out probably one of the best games in the country any given week is going to be in the odak and it's going to be great one to follow
1: yeah our our game of the week might as well be odak game of the week yeah yeah. right we'll try to mix it up but going to be uh, a lot of fun. Just weekly basis, we'll we'll be seeing great games out of that league. All right, Matt, another one that's shaping up to be one of the tightest conference races that also has some national appeal, uh just like, not not to the degree maybe of the ODAC, but that's the OAC.
0: Yeah, really strong league here. Again, you can see um, a bunch of teams In uh, I say a bunch because I can't count this that high. Uh, A bunch of teams in the top 100, and then the teams that are not in the top 100, you know, are still kind of flirting with average at the very least. Um, You see, John Carroll, Mount Union, Heidelberg, Otterbein, Marietta, all projected for like 10 or more wins in conference play. Uh, The top two, though, right now looking like John Carroll and Heidelberg. They're both sitting at 4-0, and they're both projected for right around 14. Um, conference wins. So that's going to be kind of interesting, even though, you know, Mount Union is sticking in there at number 20 by the computer, number 20 nationally by the computer. They've already taken a loss. They took a loss to Wilmington, which was not a great a great loss. Um, so that, that kind of gives Heidelberg the advantage right here. Um, but the other thing to watch, I think, for the OAC is that the heavy hitters have not really played each other yet. We've got most of these teams playing four games or all these teams playing four conference games already. And I think the only Um, game amongst those kind of top five has been um, Heidelberg has beaten Marietta and beaten Otterbein already and I think other than that all of those teams are yet to play each other so just here's an example for John Carroll in January they play Heidelberg, Mount Union, Marietta, Otterbein, then Heidelberg again. And, oh, by the way, there's like a couple other games in there against maybe Ohio Northern and Baldwin Wallace or something like that. So it's a big, big January for John Carroll. Um, not that any of the conference race is going to be settled by then, but but they might, they're might they going to probably take a couple of losses in there. Um, if they happen to go through that unscathed, then like they're going to be far and away the favorite. But a lot of big races to come in January and February in the OAC amongst those kind of top four teams, five teams.
1: Yeah, you talk about how big of a loss that uh Mount Union took against Wilmington here. You know, they're they're going to really be rooting for someone else to take a loss that's surprising because um you know that that's a blemish on their mark that it's going to be difficult to wipe away without basically every other contender taking a bad loss. There's going to be enough losses um Just to go around here, I mean, you're you're probably talking about Mount Union having to outperform their games against the other top contenders if they're going to overcome a bad loss like that, because you probably can't expect all the other contenders to take a similarly bad loss.
0: Yeah, you can't just split with everyone and then stay ahead of them if you've already lost to Wilmington, right? So so you got to go like, are you going to beat John Carroll and Heidelberg twice, both? Um, or or just really take care of business against Otterbein, Marietta, and Capital and hope that someone stumbles to them, right? So they they that loss is, is not looking good with with John Carroll and Heidelberg, in particular, sitting at
1: 4-0. Right. That basically accounts for what we see as a one-game difference in the projected win total between Mount Union mm-hmm. and John Carroll and Heidelberg.
0: Yeah. If they had taken their care of their business against Wilmington, they would all be sitting at essentially right. you know, 14 wins as projected. Right.
1: At 14-win 14, 14 line, right.
0: Yep. Um, and so this, you know, we, we we saw the Mac Freedom. It's it's two teams, it's Stevens and Desales, right at the top. This one is very much three, and kind of goes five-ish deep. That are all kind of projected into that eleven-win mark. If if Otterbein were to come up and suddenly beat John Carroll for a game, you know that would put that would you know knock John Carroll down almost a win and, and move Otterbein up, and, it, and then it's like a five-team race all within a couple of games of each other. So these head-to-head matchups are going to be huge, as they always are. And this is you know ODAK and OAC
1: great and what it's going to do is it's going to put whoever wins that first game it's going to put pressure on the loser to come back and at least get a split in that second game right yeah yeah and this is true in
0: every conference but protecting home court and then trying to steal those road wins against those other top teams that that's that's what puts you in position
1: well and the margins between teams are this thin that's even more important all right, Matt, moving on to number two on our list here is uh, the new Mac featuring a team we've talked about here in Clark. Um, probably disappointed to go 0 2 in, in Las Vegas, but they are right there in the mix at the top of the new Mac with WPI, and uh, we'll throw Babson in the mix too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, looks like a top two race at the top uh, with WPI and Clark, but I think you're right not to completely throw out Babson, kind of uh, a step or maybe a tier below. Babson has already played WPI once and WPI won, so that is is gives WPI an advantage and, and, and hurts Babson for sure. But WPI and Clark have not played yet. So January 11 and February 7 are the dates to circle for those big WPI and Clark matchups. You know maybe we just expect the split and so we're going to have to see who maybe does or doesn't stumble to someone else uh, later on. Uh, but if you know if Babson wins another ga- a game against Clark or WPI, I think they're right up in that mix as well. So don't don't throw them out for sure. Um, this is going to be an interesting January and February race, right? Because obviously, like we said, WPI and Clark have not played, so they have those two coming. Um, Clark with with Clark in particular having all of their biggest tests after the new year. Um, I think January three is Clark at Babson. So that's their first big new Mac game uh, for the Cougars to see what they can do. Um, and again, that's either going to put Babson right back in the mix with those top two teams, or it's going to kind of further solidify the WPI-Clark kind of supremacy, or what looks like WPI-Clark supremacy here. It's only only two games in for everyone. So um, you don't want to take all these projected wins for, for completely granted. Um, but it does look like a, a fair bit of a gap there between those top two or three teams. And then the rest, You know, Wheaton and Coast Guard, will probably sneak up and win some of those games. But are they going to be able to win enough to get into the mix? I don't know. Uh, but they might have something to say with who is out of the race, if they can maybe snatch one or two against one of these three contenders. Um, you know, that's, you know, what you do against the middle of the conference can sometimes determine that the top of the race, just as much as when the top teams play each other, because quite often it's just, you know, two teams split. Um, and then that doesn't really tell us too much.
1: Right. And you're right about, about WPI already has the head to head in the first meeting with Babson, uh, and now right out the gate, January 3rd, it's Clark also adds a head-to-head against Babson. And then I think we're really talking about a top-two situation. Yep, yep.
0: Yeah, that, that'll tell us right away. Is its is it two or is it all three,
1: right? Or is it three? Yep. Right. Yep. All right, Matt, one more of the t- what we consider the tightest race coming in here, and that is the NAC, the North Atlantic Conference. Kind of an interesting dynamic here.
0: Yeah, and this one's interesting too because it's not the league you think about when you talk about national races, right? We're not talking about a lot of pool C contenders here. Um, but the NAC is, is a league that has grown in size. It got a couple of the GNAC, or not the GNAC, the NECC um, kind of cast-offs, Maybe, maybe that's a, a wrong term. Uh, a couple of them joined the remnant. The remnant, yes, that's that's better, better term. Uh, a couple of them joined the NAC. A couple went went over to the GNAC. But so we've grown here. We're we're two divisions in the NAC. But looking at the top, uh, you see Morrisville State there sitting at three and zero in conference play. They're eighty sixth nationally, so a good team, solidly above average in that kind of maybe top quarter, and then um, Husson right there at 109, so very similarly rated, similarly ranked. They're sitting at 3-0. Both of these teams, this is the tightest race, right? Both of these teams projected for 13.2 conference wins, uh, but a very interesting dynamic here. We talked about this being a big conference. There's two divisions here, and Morrisville and Husson are on the opposite sides, and they don't play each other. So I I, I think, I don't know the complete structure of the tournament. But I think the first time we might see these two teams play is in the championship game of the North Atlantic tournament. And that would be very interesting. Usually you're talking about a conference championship game, maybe being teams that have already played two times. This is maybe the third meeting. This is going to be the first meeting between two maybe similarly rated conference teams. Um, You know, being in that that mix, probably not a pool C league. So, so one bit only that could be a very, very interesting dynamic. Um, I think the other interesting thing going on in the NAC, because it's two divisions, I think there's some amount of crossover play, but not a ton because the, the divisions are not exactly numerically balanced. Um, but Hassan does not play Morrisville state. Like we said, SUNY Delhi or SUNY coble skill. Um, they do play two against Maine Farmington, one each in January and February. But other than that, they're not really playing any of the other teams kind of in this maybe upper tier of the whole conference. So I think that will give Morris, um, sorry, um, that'll give Husson, I think, maybe a little bit of an easier path to total win-loss record in, in the conference. Uh, Morrisville State does play some of these other teams um, and they're, you know, maybe a little the computers like them just a little bit more. So maybe they're better suited to play those games. But very interesting dynamic in the NAC race. Um, I think enterprising viewers of the show have been paying attention to Maine Farmington all year since they were the, the pick in our conference champion draft back in the preseason. Uh, Mr. Bob Quilman has been riding the Maine Farmington train and I think they're in the mix. I think they're in the mix, but they're not the they're not the go to pick right now. So um, yeah, some interesting stuff out of the NAC, especially what's going to go win-loss between Morrisville and Husson without that head-to-head game.
1: Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, So, you know, we always talk about how anything can happen in conference tournament play. So Matt, it's really interesting, the dynamic here to look forward to a potential Morrisville-Husson matchup in a conference final. But with upsets yeah, that do right. happen, we may never even get that game. They may never they even never may never be play. you know projected here the top two teams, and they never even play. They don't yeah. even get that chance to play uh, for um, you know the pool A bid. Yeah. So very very interesting. And that and that
0: would be sort of dis- I mean, don't want to say anything negative about the NAC here, but this is like the one matchup that you kind of want to see as far as the national picture goes. And if we never see that, that'll be kind of kind of disappointing here.
1: Absolutely. All right, Matt. It should be a fun, uh, fun conference season. Uh, you know, there's tons of great conference races that will take place beyond these five, but interesting to take a look at some of the tightest ones that we see shaping up here.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. All good right, races. Matt.
1: All right, time to take a look at our own personal race, our race on the picks. Reviewing last week, Matt, we had uh, Mary Washington getting five points at Emory. It turns out uh, the computer was close. But you were closer, picking Emory to cover the five-point spread at home. Emory gets the six-point win, 61-55 over Mary Washington. Matt, a game we talked about that we don't need to dwell on. Kelvin was three-and-a-half-point fa- three favorites against Platteville. Platteville gets the 78-56 win. We were both on the Kelvin side on that one. Um, WPI, Matt, we talked about Calvin had, having a bad shooting day. WPI yeah. had an even worse shooting day. They only scored 38 points. I think they shot like 19% for the game. Uh, they were 56-38 losers uh, as six-point favorites against Gettysburg. Matt, you were correct on that one. Uh, the big game out in California, uh, Tufts was plus half a point at Calu. Calu gets the 70-66 win. Matt, I got that one correct. And then uh, one of the big games out in Vegas, our game of the week was Case Western Reserve, 87-74 winners. Uh, despite getting six points from the computer, against oswego state i was on the case side i pick up that point matt we had a lot of disagreements but in the end i was not better than you you were not better than me and neither of us was better than the computer we both go two and three i'm 23 16 and one overall you move to 21 18 and one just happy which brings us to a new slate for the new year
0: just happy not to lose ground that week so uh yeah here's the new slate for the first week of the new year i will run down the picks and then we will pick them Um, I'm really just hoping I fixed, I set my bubbles. Uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see if I set my bubbles correctly. Um, Rowan is three and a half point favorites at Swarthmore. That's a non-conference game, obviously. Uh, Clarkson is four and a half point underdogs at Bard conference underdogs at Bard. That's, uh, that's gonna, that's, that's a new thing this year for Bard. So congrats to Bard. Uh, central is five point underdogs at Loris. And Mount Union, we've talked about uh, this conference in this uh, episode so far. Mount Union, one-point favorites on the road at Otterbein. And then our D3 Datacast Game of the Week Widener, half-point favorites, nearly a pick at Hood. So, Zach, let's go through the selections here. Who do you like in the first game?
1: Matt, I'm going to go with Rowan here, even as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I think you could say... Both teams are a little disappointing with their records early on in the season, or maybe not quite what we expect. A few more losses maybe than we expected. But, you know, looking through, Rowan's played almost in the entirely like, top 100 yeah. uh, team schedule. Um, whereas Swathmore's had a little bit of a mixed schedule, and some of the losses have been like 20-point losses. I'm going to go Rowan on this one, despite... Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of a trap, but I'm gonna go Rowan.
0: No, I think I think that's an interesting pick. That's a good pick too. I'm um, I'm going with Swarthmore, but it's probably just me feeling like I can't kick these preseason expectations. So at home, getting three and a half points, I just felt like, you know, it was a game Swarthmore could easily win, and to to be getting points uh, for them at home, I just I just had to pick pick the Garnet. Uh, Clarkson four and a half do- point dogs at Bard. Your pick, Zachary.
1: You mentioned this is a this is a new feeling for Bard to be four and a half points favorites here. Uh and I'm gonna buy in. I'll I'll okay. take Bard. Yep.
0: All right. You're buying in. You watched the QCast then from, you know, what was that, I, two weeks ago or so?
1: I did. I did. I watched that. I watched every as well. QCast.
0: Yeah, very very uh very very good season for Bard and great program turnaround there. And I'm gonna go the same way. Um I think that... I think I agree. I think Bard has some program momentum. I think they're tired of being at the bottom of the Liberty league. I think that they're going to make a home statement here and, and cover the four and a half surprisingly. Okay. Going out to the American rivers in Iowa for central uh plus five at Loris.
1: Yeah. We talk about all the balance at the top of the ARC. I, I feel like take those top half, you know, top half of the league, those games, to me, you might as well just flip a coin because who knows. So if I'm getting five points, I'm taking it. Give me Central.
0: Yeah, the same answer for me. I think these are two games, um, two teams definitely in the mix at the toward the top of the ARC, both maybe in the mix for Pool C as well in the NCAA tournament, should they need it. Uh, and I know that this is a road game, but to me, five points was just a little bit large, and I think I was going to go Central on that one. Uh, going to Ohio, one-point favorite for Mount Union on the road. Who do you like?
1: Well, Matt, you talked about maybe falling into a trap of preseason expectations with the, your Swarthmore pick earlier. I, I feel like maybe that kind of applies here with Mount Union, but I'm going to take Mount Union. I feel like I'm going to rush aside some of the underperformance that uh, the computer is taking into account here. I'm I'm still believing in the core of what that team is, um, and so I will lay the point on the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My thoughts were, were similar. I think Mount union is, is starting to find it and starting to roll. Uh, this will be a good game, but w- just the one point I think Mount union does win. So I think they basically will just cover the one. Um, so I, yeah, I think the purple Raiders start putting things together and make that climb back up the top 20, or at least for my ballot, which I kind of was removing them. I think they're going to make that, that move back towards the top 25 and, and probably the top half of that top 25 game of the week.
1: Well, we talked about the race in the um, Mac Freedom, yeah. Matt. There's another good one here in the Mac Commonwealth, Widener and Hood. Um, you know, I think I think this is a classic case of me in in conference play. I'm going to default to the home team, so give me Hood.
0: All right, taking Hood. Um, I'm going to go with Widener. I just really believe in what Widener is doing. Uh, their kind of spot as a top 25 team. I think maybe Hood for me is just outside that. Um, that that maybe within the the margin of home court court advantage though uh, just a half point I do think Widener wins so the the minus half makes it essentially a pick so I'm just gonna pick the winner of the game I think Widener does um, will be a good one Um, definitely you know if Hood wins this then they're think very very as you said very much in that conference race Uh, but I, I believe in Widener I think that they're a very good team and I think that they can win this one so we'll see
1: we will see And that wraps up this week's show. Matt, as always, we need to thank our great supporters on Patreon, including Matt, a new Great Job Team supporter, Ron Borger, joined us on Patreon this week. For more information on how you can support us and all we do, whether it be the show, uh, d3datacast.com, and all the uh, information and data presented there within, you can head to patreon.com slash d3datacast, and uh, we would be honored if you would would join us uh, in supporting us and um, you know just all that we want to make available for the Division three basketball community we, you know there's no ads on the site there's no paywalls and it's thanks to people uh, like we have listed on the screen here who have chosen to take the voluntary subscription model and uh, and support what we do and keep those materials available for everyone whether or not they have chosen to support us but we are so thankful for the group here who has.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate our viewers out there and our Patreon subscribers. Definitely check out d3datacast.com. You know, we're talking about the new year conference play January. Uh, Silly people like me have been talking about projected strength of schedules and Pool C all season long. But this is the time of the year where that data starts to get more real. Um, both the the, the two da- the in season like what's actually happened to date and and the projected numbers start getting dialed in a little bit more, especially the SOS numbers. So you can start looking at that and start thinking, you know, which teams are in that pool C mix, which teams might be hosting, which results are really gonna um, kind of change those those thoughts. Uh, what are those key wins, those regionally ranked wins? So you can get some of that insight. In d3datacast.com, just check the look at the regional rankings tab at the top of the page. You can get men's basketball and women's basketball. Take a look at there. Um, talk about it online. Hashtag d3hoops. That's all the fun stuff. A uh, lot of big games, a lot of big conference games that we talked about this this episode coming up in January. Really, really fun time of the year when conference play gets into swing. Um, you know, I, I love it. Love d3hoops. So thank you all for participating. Thank you Zach for recording this episode. Happy New Year, everyone, and great job, team.
1: Job, team.